Well, hey, look, my name is Jeff. If you're a guest here with us, I'm the lead pastor. Thank you so much for choosing New Life. Um, man, we, uh, we love Jesus around this place. I hope you can tell that. Um, we're unashamedly, right, uh, proud of Jesus uh, here at our church. And uh, we love his word. We love his teaching. And we know that it can be anti-culture sometimes. And we're trying to do our very, very best to live out the teachings of Jesus in a way that shows incredible love and grace to our world because that's what he's shown to us. Okay? All right, which is why we're in this series. What is love? All right? What is love? Now, in your deepest, in your deepest voice, right? Just what is love? Come on, say that with me. You're like, what is love? You gotta get you gotta go way down though. You gotta go way down with that, right? What is love? Last week we started out, we're, we're in a book called First John, by the way. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you right now, open up the first John. There's going to be a couple of moments in today's message where the, the scriptures that I'm going to refer to are not going to be on the screen, and you're going to want to have a Bible. So if you're sitting there, you're like, wow, man, I wish I would have known that. I should have brought a Bible. If you have a cell phone, you've got 400 Bibles, okay? It's just a matter of Googling it and pulling it up or using the version app that you're going to get multiple different versions of the Bible. So everybody basically can have a Bible if you choose to have one in front of you today. And then if you do, and you're going to use it digitally. I'm in the what's called the New Living Translation. So the NLT. Uh, if you get that, then you're going to be on track with me. That's going to help you kind of like pick up what, uh, what I'm seeing from God's Word and uh, just kind of help you ground yourself in God's Word a little bit more. So last week we looked at this whole idea of what is love, right? And um, how do we know what love is? And uh, we did that through the lens of, if you want to know what love is, then you have to know Jesus. Right? He's the origin of all things love. And so we have to know him. It wasn't just a head knowledge we were talking about. We were talking about a personal experience with Jesus. We weren't talking about a one-off moment. We were talking about an ongoing um, you know, encounters with Christ like you have in a relationship. And so we talked about the fellowship that we have with Christ. Then we also said if you want to know what love is, then you have to choose, because it's a choice, to walk in the light versus walking in the darkness. And the darkness was clearly defined in chapter 1 as being sin. And we said, look, it's a choice to walk in the light. And so that's kind of where we got started. All right? But why, why did John actually write the book 1 John? And I left that out of last week so I could purposely bring it in to this week. So again, I'm going to be in 1 John. We're going to start in chapter 2, verse 7, but I want to go back into chapter 1. I want to look at verse 4 because verse 4 gives us the heartbeat in John's heart of why he even wrote this book to us. It says this, that we, remember last week we, we learned, like it's not just him, it's like a group of people right, that care about your spiritual journey. He goes, we are writing these things so that you may what? fully share our joy he there's something about the joy that he has discovered in christ and remember this john walked with jesus john was one of the closest disciples to jesus he ate meals with him they traveled together right they shared rooms together they he watched the miracles happen i mean john was a first-hand revelation kind of a guy okay and he's going look i want you now you, new life, I want you to experience the same joy that I experienced when I walked with Jesus. Now why is that? Here's the reason why. Christianity is supposed to be a joy-filled experience, a joy-filled journey, 
of knowing who Jesus is. It's supposed to have a lot of joy with it. Christianity without joy is just religion. And unfortunately, today in America and around the world, there are hundreds of thousands of people that have walked through the doors of a church. I don't care what the name is. I don't care what the denomination is. It's all of them. They've walked through the doors of a church, and they're going through a religious routine today and experiencing zero joy. That's not Christianity. That's religion. That brings no life. There's going to be 100,000 plus people that are going to give in an offering at some church somewhere. It could even be a tithe, but they're going to do it out of a religious heart instead of out of a fellowship with Christ heart, and they're going to experience no joy in it. I don't know about you, but as your friend and as your pastor, I don't want you to have a joyless Christianity. I want you to have a joy-filled Christianity, right? Now, I don't want you to, though, I don't want you to have a fake joy. I'm not asking you to put a big smile on your face when you're walking through some of life's greatest pain moments. Okay, because there's a difference between happiness and joy. Okay, joy goes deeper than, he goes deeper than the surface. Joy goes deeper than the emotions. Okay, happiness is the emotion, but joy is an anchor in our life. And, and so I'm not asking you to put a big fake smile on your face when you go through things. So that's not what joy is. But here's what joy is. Joy is contentment. It's contentment. The contentment that says, look, life might be completely out of control, but I am trusting that, God, you are in control. I'm okay with where we're at right now, even though my flesh may not like it, my emotions may not like it, I may not be happy with it, but the joy is there because I'm content that you're still God no matter what I see around me. So I'm content. I'm content with what I have as well. That I'm not just always trying to strive for more like this American so-called dream is attempting to do. I'm content with what I have. You bring me more, I'm going to manage it well. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to glorify you. And we know that because if you manage what you have well, then you can be trusted with more, right? But joy, joy is contentment. Joy is also the ability to look towards heaven while living effectively on earth. That's joy as well. Joy is the ability to go, hey, look, I'm going to do everything I have to do to survive here, but this is not my home. That I'm looking, I'm looking to a home that's beyond this world. Are you with me so far? You understand what I'm saying, okay? Joy also, all right, is expressed through gratitude to God. Just think about, like, what you have. Just think about what you've been given, Think, think about your, whether it's your health or it's your family or it's your kids or, come on, somebody, your grandkids, yeah. right? That brings joy, right? You're, you're like, the kid may not, but the grandkids do. <laughs> just messing, just messing with you, although there's some semblance of truth there, um, <laughs> all right? But, but when you think about what you're thankful for, doesn't it instantaneously start to stir joy in your heart? See, because that's joy. Joy is expressed through gratitude to the Lord. And can I just say one last thing? Joy is expressed in our worship. It's expressed in our worship. It's like when we, when we turn our face towards heaven and we lift our hands to him and we lift up our voice like the songs we were singing earlier, right? Or just worship in our celebration of water baptism at our campuses. There's something about that that can bring joy. Now, look, you could be in a moment of worship with tears coming down your face as you're overcome Right with the love of Christ. Don't let that deceive you. The tears coming down your face are tears of joy. 
They're not necessarily tears of sorrow, right? So you can't let joy get mixed up by the emotions that's going on. And, and John, John's going, look, I want you to experience the fullness of our joy because he knows that he's not, ex- he's not giving you something that, that like he created. He's giving you something that Jesus created, the centerpiece of Christianity. That's why Jesus said this really about himself in John 15, 11. He goes, look, I came so that you would be full of my joy and that you would overflow. That's what Jesus said about himself. Did you realize that Jesus came so that you would be full of joy? That's part of the reason why he left heaven and came to earth. Because he wants his people to be full of joy. Something about your joy is contagious. And not just that you would be full of his joy, by the way, which is the joy John's talking about, but that you would overflow with his joy. Just think about the blessing you could be at work when you overflow with joy. Moms, think about the blessing you could be with your kids when you overflow with joy. Dads, Think about the blessing you could be, right, in your marriage and with your, with your family if you overflowed with the joy of the Lord. Well, that's what this, this uh, like teaching today is really all about. Because how many of you guys would say, look, I need more joy in my life? How many of you would say, I need a more joy-filled Christianity? And I would say this, that's for all of us, including this pastor right here. We all need a more joy-filled Christianity, Right, And so what would John say to us? John would say this. That's the reason why I wrote the book. I wrote the book for that. So if he wrote the book for that, then what is it that we should be doing? we got to dig into that book. we got to understand what he's saying. we got to get whatever he learned from walking with Jesus, i got to get it right here. It's got to go beyond this right to here. One of the ways I can help you with that is by uh, inviting every single one of you to be a part of our Read Scripture. Okay, read Scripture is a, it's kind of a, a reading, a Bible reading program, but it is completely different than anything you'll, you'll ever experience. It's different than any other thing that you can get out there, okay? Here's what makes it so much different. First, you read, okay, that's the R. Then secondly, we encourage you to evaluate it. And what you're doing when you're evaluating it is we're asking you to go beyond reading it and start asking the questions, God, why did you write this? Then we're asking you to take the A and start applying it. Okay, God, okay, this is why you wrote this, but now what does it mean for me? How does it apply to me? What do I need to do with this right now? But here's the secret sauce of Read Scripture, the D. Now you get a chance to discuss it with others. And we have groups online, whether it's in chat or you get onto a Zoom group, they don't last forever, but it's a moment where you can discuss Scripture. Right, right now, there's a QR code on the screen. I would just say this to you. Whoever doesn't take a picture of that is a person that doesn't like joy in their life. Right? Whoever doesn't pull up their phone right now and hold it up there and go, how in the world do I get into that? Because these guys are reading 1 John. And here's the deal. Watch this. It's going to stay up there for a while until I see all your hands take a picture of it. Um, so it might be up there. We may never get in beyond this slide. All right. So here, here's the deal. Here, here's the deal. Right? Tell me this. If two people are listening to this message today, which I know that there's more, but if two people are listening to it, one of them has pre-read the scriptures I'm going to be speaking on, and the other one has not, which person is going to get the most out of this message? It's going to be a person that pre-read it, right? That's what read scripture is. It's helping you process the scripture before we ever teach it. Guess what you're doing? You're already sitting there anticipating certain things to come. You're gleaning from it in a greater way. I want that to happen for your life. Why? Because I want you to experience the fullness of the joy that came from Christ. That's why. 
Now, is that, that's from my loving heart. Are you with me so far? Okay, we'll let the screen go. All right, so look, as we look at week two, here's, here's what I want. I want to see joy increase in your life. And if that's going to happen, are you ready for that? Who wants to see joy increase in their life, by the way? All right, who, who's with me? Can we make that the goal today? Can we make it the goal that we walk out of here with more joy in our heart? Can we just make that the goal today? Let's make that the goal. How about we make this the goal? We walk out of here with a more joy-filled Christianity. Let's make that the goal today. You with me? All right. All right. All right. Well, to do that, then you got to see more Jesus in your life. Okay? you got to see more Jesus in your life. Now, watch this. Like, how many guys have ever tried to diet before, all right, and you lost 10 or 20 pounds, and then you're out in public, and you run into somebody that hasn't seen you for a while, and then they say this to you, like, wow, you're looking good. Did you lose some weight? And what do you do at that moment? You suck it in just a little bit farther. And you go, well, yes, I have. Yes, I have. And they're like, you're looking good. And you're like, you better believe it. And then what do you do when you get home? You look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I am looking thinner. Man, wow, this black makes me look thinner. This is good. I like this. Look at that. Boy, I can see the cheekbones. This is amazing. Look at that smile. Wow, it's like a youthful smile all over again. Like, you get excited when someone holds a mirror up to you and they're like, hey, whatever your goal is, if your goal is to lose weight, I see it. But you know what would be even greater is if your goal was to look a little bit more like Jesus and then all of a sudden someone said, let me hold a mirror up. That's what I see. I see it in you. I'm going to tell you right now, that's going to create a joy unlike any other joy that you can find on this earth. And that's what John writes to this group of people. Take a look at verse 7 and 8. Chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. He says this, Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it's an old one that you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Yet, it is also new. Watch this. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. How many would love for that to be said about you? Jesus is the epitome. He is the ultimate example of what it looks like to love others. And then for someone to say, I see it in you as well. I don't know about you, but man, when, when I was like a teenager, and then I became a young adult, and then I became a father with young kids, I told myself, I am not going to be like my parents. Now, I had good parents, right? But how many of you guys said I'm not going to be like my parents in one way or another? How many of you guys said I'm not going to say that thing my parents say? How many of you guys said I'm not going to do that thing my parents did? How many of you guys said I'm not going to wear my clothes like my parents did? <laughs> now, that's a good thing, actually, all right? That's a good thing. But you said that, but then all of a sudden, what happened? Like, you started to hear your parents, and you started to see your parents. And then if your spouse really loves you, they're like, yep, that was your dad. And you're like, what? What? But it, it, this happens because, like, look, one of the ways we honor someone, like it or not, one of the ways we honor them is we say the things they say and we do the things they do. That's one of the ways we honor people. Okay? And if it's a good example, that's not a bad thing to do, by the way. Paul said, hey, follow me as I followed Christ. Okay? Now, look, when I was a kid, I was a kid growing up, we, I grew up in St. Louis, so I was a city boy, all right? And then we would go to the country and work on my grandparents' farm. When I got to the country working on the farm, it was crazy because kids that ran around like in the country and gravel roads, they just ran around with no shoes on. You don't do that in the city, right? You don't know what you're going to step on in the city. 
right? But in the country, they just ran around. I mean, when I, I would get there and I would take my shoes off because that's what they did. And I would go running around. I'd be like, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> right? And you're like, ow, ooh, man, man. You got to get over into the grass a little bit. But then eventually you could pick it up. And their, their language was different. They had a little bit of a kind of a country twang to their voice. You know what I'm saying? And you would, like, you would start talking that way. You'd be like, come on, y'all. Let's go down. Let's do this. And you're like, I never say those things. I come home back to the city, and my friends look at me like, where did you go? What happened to you? Put your shoes back on and talk normal, please. Right? I mean, but, but that's what happens. Why? I was just mimicking what I saw and what I heard. You want to honor Jesus? Mimic him. Mimic him until you start seeing more of Jesus in your life. Why? Because there's a power to the mimic. There's a power, a power, an actual power that comes when we mimic Christ. John said it in verse 8. He said this. He says, look, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. Watch this. Here's Here's the power of the mimic. For darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. He's going, look, when Jesus rose again from the grave, darkness started being dispelled. And when you mimic the love of Jesus, you too are engaged in the dispelling or the pushing back of darkness. Now look, how many guys would agree there's a lot of darkness in the world in which we live in right now? A lot of darkness, meaning there's a lot of sin in the world in which we live in right now. But here's one thing we do know about darkness. Darkness has never overtaken light. Think of it the principle, okay? Think of it from a scientific perspective as well, because it's the same in the spiritual realm, right? You have a room, it's dark, and you flip the light on, and a small little light comes on. What happens to darkness? Poof, it's gone. It's gone, right? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. You are the light, and wherever you go, darkness is being dispelled. If we're mimicking Christ... But watch what happens when you decide you're not going to do that anymore. Watch what happens when you start allowing darkness to come into your own heart and you stop mimicking Christ. The, the quickness of the way that the light went on and the darkness dispelled is when the light goes off, how fast does the darkness come back in? And, and see, that's the reason why this world is desperately in need of Christ followers to actually mimic Jesus so that the darkness can be dispelled. You, you dispel it in your little circle, and I do it in my little circle, and then over time, all of a sudden, it's not just an individual that starts getting changed, or a church that starts getting changed, a community starts getting changed. And that's the reason why you and me are here. So, can I just say this to you? Stop complaining about the darkness that's in our world. I have way too many people that come up to me, pastor, did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? They're just complaining about the darkness in this world. Instead of, instead of complaining in a reactionary way, I suggest that we be proactive and do this. In light of the fact that darkness is in our world, let's mimic the love of Christ. Well, let's make sure we're mimicking the love of, and letting the light of Jesus shine. But be careful. Don't let the light of Jesus or the love of Christ turn into the spotlight. Nobody likes the spotlight shined in their eyes. And sometimes in Christianity, we have a tendency to do that. Like we know, hey, this is the truth, and you're living in the darkness. Look at your life. Look at how bad it is. And they're like, I can't even see right now. Man, alive, what's going on? And they just get repulsed by the very truth that they need. That's not going to help anybody. Here's what we need to be. We need to be a soft, gentle light that causes people to actually want to be around you. 
so that you, the love of Christ that you're trying to mimic can actually bring a change. That's why we're here. To let the love of Christ shine in such a way that others would be intrigued enough that they would want to hang out with you long enough that the love and the light of Christ could actually bring about transformation. So, what does John do? John, in his wisdom, starts to kind of weave these two things together. As you continue to read that second chapter of 1 John, he starts weaving together love and light. Here's how he does it. In in verse 9 and 10, he says, look, if anyone claims that I'm living in the light, or I'm mimicking Jesus, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to what? Stumble. It doesn't cause others to stumble. John's basically saying this, that there's no room, there's zero room in the kingdom of God for any level of hatred towards another brother or sister. He goes, look, if you claim to live in the light, then you have to follow or be obedient or surrender to the principles of spiritual light. Light doesn't get to act like darkness. You claim to be in the light, you have to surrender to the principles of spiritual light. What are the principles of spiritual light? That's why 1 John's written. So that we can know what the principles are of what it looks like to actually walk in the light. But what happens is that man, we have way too many Christians that are claiming, I am in the light. I love Jesus. But they're letting the darkness shine. That's, that's not going to work in this world that we live in. Okay? It, 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 you can't get by like that. Not only are you causing more harm for yourself, you're causing more harm for others. And so in this world in which we live in, we've got to get back to this. There's no room There's no room for darkness to shine inside of our hearts. And definitely there's no room to allow hatred to be there. So look, here's what John's driving home. You can't just put up with people in the church, believers. He's talking about believer to believer. He goes, look, you can't just put up with them. You actually have to love them. I don't know about you. Can can we just be transparent for a moment? And can I just say this? That I I know some Christians that are really annoying. None of you that are in this auditorium (laughs) or at our campuses. They were all in the first service. (laughs) In all transparency, I told the first service they're all in the second service. So I I just got to make sure that I let you guys know what's going down, right? right? But we all know some people that seem unlovable. Okay, but Jesus is going, look, I'm asking you to forgive them, but you don't have the power to do that. You don't have the power to love them. Like you, you, you and your own natural instinct are going to drift to hate. So here's what I've done. While you were still sinners, I died for you, Jesus said. So how, do, how in the world do we eradicate hate and adopt the love that Christ wants us to have? We have to go back to him and go, look, if while I was a sinner or while they were a sinner, you died for them, you're going to have to put that love that you have in your heart for them in this heart. Because I can't do it on my own. I've got to figure out how to flush out my emotions and feelings and take on yours. Because I don't know about you, but wouldn't it be a lot easier if Jesus said, hey, look, love, love most people, but you can still hate a few. I mean, what, what, if it, what if Jesus gave us like, hey, love, love almost everyone, but you can hate five people. It's fine. It's fine. 
What, what if that's what he said? Wouldn't that be a lot easier? But, but it's not because he said, he said, remember in verse 10, what did he say in verse 10? Go back to verse 10 in your Bible, okay, because it's not on the screens. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and what? Does not cause others to stumble. So if you're living in the light, you don't cause others to stumble. But what happens when you're living in the dark? You cause people to stumble. That's why you can't have hate in your heart. Hate in your heart creates a toxic environment inside of God's house. And it, and it creates a distraction or repels outsiders from wanting to seek and follow God. So it creates a stumbling block and we allow hate to be in our heart. So you might be asking yourself, well, do I actually hate anybody in this church or other believers in this town? And you go, I don't hate anybody. Okay, well, hold on, because hate has, has different faces. You know, who are you gossiping about? Because whoever you're gossiping about, that's a form of hate. Who have you not forgiven that's another believer? That's a form of hate. Who are you falsely accusing or condemning without actually knowing the real story? Because whoever that is that's a believer, well, that's a form of hate. Where are you withholding generosity, right, from, a, from other believers that are in need? That's a form of hate. And you want to know another one? The one that God spoke to me? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because when you write sermons, the Holy Spirit speaks to you about you. Just so you know, all right? It's not, the, it's not always the most fun lesson to put together the sermon for you because the Holy Spirit the whole time is talking to me about me. And he says to me, hey, Jeff, you know like when, you, um, when people burn you and, you know, they, they wound you and they hurt you and how you, you just like, you just go, look, I'm never going to let that happen again. And so you write them off, literal words out of my mouth. Write them off. Meaning this, like, don't give that person a space inside of my heart to emotionally drain me anymore. Don't give per that person space inside of my mind to occupy it and to cause my mind to think about things I don't need to think about. I got too many other great things to lead, right? So you know, Jeff, how when you do that, when you say, look, I'm not going to let that person burn me anymore, and so you write them off, that's a form of hate. And I was like, duh, good. <laughs> and I had to repent. Just like many of us will have to repent because we didn't realize there was actually hate inside of our heart that is going to cause some serious damage. L let's look at the damage that it's going to cause in verse 11. It says, but anyone who hates a fellow believer is what? Still living and walking in darkness. What? I love Jesus though. Yeah, but you're walking in darkness. You're walking in more darkness than you thought. And then he goes, such a person does not know the way to go, having been what? Blinded by the darkness. You're not just walking in darkness, you're blinded by it. It's going to be really hard to get out of it. Here's what you do. Drop to your knees and, and seek the, the forgiveness of the Lord. Drop to your knees and let that other person go. Drop to your knees and start blessing that other person. And you're going to watch a flushing of your heart is going to take place over time. Okay? And what are you going to do? You're going to become a lot more like Jesus. See, Jesus, he, was, he disapproved of people's life choices and even their religious beliefs, but he didn't hate them. He even spoke direct to them, but he didn't hate them. He loved them. He went to the cross for them, by the way. Okay? Even the ones who nailed him to the cross, he was going to the cross for them. Even the ones who mocked him while he was on the cross, he was going to the cross for them. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, he didn't hate them. Definitely disappointed, disapproving, but didn't hate. 
And if Jesus can do that, so can you and I. If you want to experience more joy in your life, you got to let go of that hate. And that means you got to seek Jesus and go, Jesus, if you don't fill my heart with your love for those people, there's no way in this world that I can love them. And I desperately want to do that. Why? Because I want to mimic the love of Jesus because I want to be somebody that's pushing back the darkness. That's what we want to see. So that's why we got to see more of Jesus in our life. That will increase your joy. Another way that you're going to increase your joy, John says, is that you got to remain faithful to what you were taught from the beginning. And this sounds a lot easier than what it is, but here's what happens in your life. Your purpose leaks and focus drifts in all of our life. You have a purpose, right? My purpose is this. I, mean, I, I know Jesus. I want to I mimic Jesus. But when you get away from the basics of Christianity, which is so easy to do, it's a trap, by the way. He says, when you get away from remaining faithful to what you were taught at the beginning, here's what happens. Your purpose leaks. And where does it leak towards? Does it leak towards the light or does it leak towards the darkness? Always leaks towards the darkness. Okay, what happens when your focus drifts from I want to mimic the love of Jesus and you get off of the basics, okay, and you stop coming back to the basics of Christianity of what you were taught before, what happens with your focus? It drifts. Where does it drift? Towards the light or towards the dark? Towards the dark, right? So what really are the basics? What are these basics that we're talking about? Well, one of the things he drives home for us is this. In verse 15, he goes, look, let me give you a basic. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. A love of the world is the basics. A love of the world. No one loves the ways of the world overnight. It always starts with one little piece. And I just say this, that the majority of us in this room and listening to this message right now have some level of love of the world in us. It's somewhere in there, right? It, that one piece is not what is going to, you know, cripple you to your knees. It's the fact that the love of the world is like a gateway to greater deception. The love of the world is what I would equate to the similarity of like marijuana, as an example. Marijuana is called a gateway drug. Why is it called a gateway drug? Because once people are there and they get this high and they're experiencing that high and all of a sudden they can't keep producing that high, then they've got to open their opportunities up to other you know, kinds of drugs that bring on additional highs. Or because they're hanging out with a bunch of people that all they're doing is like smoking marijuana to get high, then all of a sudden they get introduced to somebody who's already taken that gateway and gone someplace else and they get introduced to things they never intended to get introduced to. And so what they started with is not where they end. That's the love of the world. The love of the world is like a gateway to adopting the deception of the enemy. Okay, now watch this. I want you to prosper. Go out and get your greatest, greatest education. Go out and build the, the greatest businesses. Become the greatest profession. Professional, right? I mean, love your family. Enjoy your family. Go on a vacation. Like, do all of those kinds of things. That's not necessarily loving the world. Here's how it becomes loving the world, is when any of those things become first instead of Jesus. Jesus has to stay the main thing. And when he's not the main thing, 
then something else is. And that becomes the love of the world. And here's, here's what happens. John does this in a really kind of a sneaky way. But right after talking about loving the world, the next few verses from 18 to 23, John talks about this deception that comes with the spirit of the Antichrist. Meaning, everything I'm teaching you, there's a spirit out there that wants to teach you just the opposite. It's the Antichrist spirit. Now, here's what's interesting. This is, I find this super interesting, the way John wrote down chapter 2. That he goes from, don't be a lover of the world, to, watch out, there's the Antichrist deception that's coming. Here, here's what I hear him saying to us. The gateway to being deceived by an Antichrist false teaching comes through the loving of the world. How many of you, if you heard a false teacher, would be able to recognize it? Probably many. But what happens when the love of the world starts its decaying act inside of us? It opens up our hearts and it becomes a gateway to all of a sudden be deceived. Moms and dads, moms and dads, don't worry. Don't worry about protecting your kids from an antichrist spirit. Worry about keeping the world, right, and its loyalties out of first place in the life of your kids. Lead them to make Jesus first in everything. Let them see you lead with the example that we love the things that God's created in this world, and we're going to enjoy them, but we're never going to let them become first place over Jesus. You keep that the main thing, I guarantee you, then now you don't have that as the big gateway that all of a sudden you're wondering to your kids, how'd they follow that crazy deception? Are you following me on this? All right, so don't, don't allow that to happen. So here's, here's what John says. John says, you want to avoid all of that? You want to avoid all of it? It's the main point. Verse 24. If you want to avoid all of that, you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. Part of a deception of Christianity is there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And so we start listening to people that are the so-called more preachers. They're the ones that are way out over here and they're speaking about things that you wish your own pastor would talk about, but they're over here and they're the bold ones. And they'll talk about the bold stuff and they go real, they go real, man. They go like deep. They, they go to those deep things. They're opening up the Bible and they're dissecting a scripture in such a way that I never even knew that it said that. That's because it never said that. And we get caught up. We get caught up in this, like there must be more. And John's going, look, you, if you abandon the basics of Christianity, you lose it all. It's not that there isn't the meat that's out there. There is the meat. There is the deeper things of the Lord. But they're worthless if you lose the basics of Christianity. Meaning this, you lose the foundation that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You lose the foundation that surrender to Christ is greater than the obedience. Like it's the surrender he's looking for. When you lose the fact that God created all things and everything he created is perfect. It's perfect. Your grandson that was born, right? Your grandson that was born is perfect. Your granddaughter that was born is perfect. Exactly the way God made them. There doesn't need to be any other craziness. Like when you lose the basics, you lose it all. And we do that through this lens of like, there must be more. There must be more. 
So we get tempted and we search after false teachers and false teachings. We get bored and we get lazy with the basics, right? We lose the urgency, right? We get prideful and we start to think that, look, look how far I've come. Like, I've got this. I'm beyond the basics. I can handle this. I don't need a life group anymore. I don't need to worship on Sundays every Sunday. I don't need to tithe anymore. I can go give this where it needs to go better than the church can do it. Like, I've got this. And when you buy into that lie, like, I, I'm beyond the basics, watch out because trouble's coming. When you don't remain faithful to what you were taught at the beginning, then you lose your passion for Jesus, you become legalistic, you become cynical, and you just become an old, sour, and stale Christian. But when you remain faithful, Man, when you remain faithful, faithful to the the love and the grace of Christ, faithful to the whisper of the Spirit, faithful just to the worship, faithful just to the simple prayer. When you remain faithful, you get the fellowship with Christ, meaning you get the relationship with him, and you get eternity too. Don't drift from being faithful to what you were taught at the beginning. Many of you, that's the solution for your Christianity today. Just return to the faithfulness of being, you know, walking with what you were taught at the beginning. You've drifted off the page. You've lost the focus, and you've drifted towards the darkness more than you've drifted towards the light. You've lost the purpose, and the purpose has leaked. Get back to the basics. Be faithful to what you were taught at your youth. Be excited about Jesus again. Let the joy, let the joy of Jesus once again resurge inside of you as you attempt to live a life that mimics him. Let the joy of Jesus resurge inside of you as you get back to the basics of what he taught. And you go, Jesus, I just want to be a master at living the basics. I want to get a doctorate degree in living the basics before I ever go on to anything else. Don't let me drift. Hold me to the faithfulness of obedience to what I was taught at the beginning. Then the joy of the Lord will saturate your heart. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Come on. It's a good day. It's a good day, right? It's a good day. It's a good day. So, hey, I don't know who you are. I I do know many of you, actually. I'm not that old yet, but I don't know all of you, and with all heads up and eyes looking at me, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and your Lord, and you're walking in that darkness, can I just say this? Come to the light. Come to the light. Just make a choice today. I'm going to walk away from my old life. And I'm going to take on a new life, just like what I saw being in the baptism tanks at all of our campuses. And I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus today. And I'm going to start following the basics. And I'm going to master those. And then, then I can dig a little deeper. But I want to get those basics. And I want to hang on to them. I want to cherish them more than I cherish anything else. Then I can explore like some more of who God is. So if that's you today, would you just surrender your life to Christ? And if you do, would you, let, would you let me know by filling out one of our contact cards? At all of our campuses, it's normally in like the seat back in front of you, except for here at the Kearney campus on the lower, on the lower level only, it's down by your ankles.
But if you'll take that contact card and fill it out and bring it out to one of our green tables in our lobbies, then I can be praying for you. Our staff can be praying for you. And we can help you take that next step. Let me pray for you now. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for their hunger, their desire to be more like you. Lord, may we hear this message today and not be discouraged, but may our hearts be filled with more joy as we consider the fact that, you know what? It is possible to mimic you, not in my strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And when I do, wow, I'm going to find a lot of joy when people go, man, I just see, I see something different in your life. And Lord, when we just remain faithful to, to the things we learned at the beginning, when we watch ourselves walking out those things, may, may we just experience a little bit of joy. Can we experience you, Father, just patting us on the back going, well done, son. Good job, daughter. Like, way to go. Way to come back to what you knew at the beginning and fall in love with me all over again. And now we can run someplace. Now we can accomplish things that we never could have any other way. So, Lord, may the love of Christ rest upon this church. May the love of Christ rest upon these people. And may they be filled with the Holy Spirit to accomplish what you've called us to do today. In Jesus' name, amen.